Well, good day, guys, and welcome. I'm Mitch Stock, and this is Life in the Peloton. But this is our breakaway series, the new series that's popped up, the communique, the race communique. The series that we started a month ago with Luke Durbridge and with Tom Southern. We're going to be talking to Luke Durbridge this week. Tom Southern is busy over at the Wells of Burgos. So Durbo and I are going to be unpacking what happened at those Super Worlds, amazing world championships, the men's race and the women's race, plus all those other events, the mountain biking, the track. We didn't get into the BMX and all those other great events. We try to cover as much as we could. But then we're talking about what's coming up, the Volta Espana. And of course, I throw a little quiz in at the end too to trip Durbo up. I love chatting to Durbo, one of my old teammates. He's riding on Jayco Alula this year. So guys, sit back and enjoy. This is the podcast presented by Rafa. But of course, this is the Race Communique. So I hope you enjoy, guys. Well, Durbo, here we are, mate. We are here again for the Race Communique. It's just you and I this time. Welcome back to the Race Communique, buddy. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, Tom wasn't quite good enough, so we've, we've cut him, um, giving the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing with this. And, like, I don't know if everyone understood the original idea. Maybe I didn't explain it properly, is that you guys are busy men. You're on the road. One guy's going to be at a race. And at the moment, Tom Southern's right at the Vuelta Burgos at the moment. And this is what I anticipated. So that's why I chose two of you. When we can get the clan back together, the three of us, the three amigos, it's great. But the rest of the time, it's just going to be the you know the duo, um, whether it's you and I or me and Tom. So let's try this week, you and I. We'll see if you and I can connect at all. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be challenging. Tom's always there to fill in the gaps and stuff. and So we'll see how we go. But I mean, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Well, Dervo, first of all, mate, what the hell's been going on? You're just back from the Worlds. You're back home, I guess. You're sort of kicking back because you didn't really get your your traditional time off after the, the Tour de France this year. Yeah, you are right. I mean, I wish I was kicking back, but uh, I leave tomorrow for Hamburg uh, and then I go straight from Hamburg to mm. an eco tour or this new name is called Renewy. Um, so, yeah, just the show goes on. What? It's got a new <laughs> It's got a new name again, the Bing Bank. There's Bing Bank. There's uh, was it Benelux? There was Eneco. Uh, so yeah, this year it's called Renewy Tour. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is that it's actually it's a world tour race. So it's you know it, it holds the same points as winning Paris Nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no one even knows what the name of it is. You know. You, you're sort of presenting it like it may be a sort of an easy way to get points. It's by no means that. It is a bit of a bitch of a race. You know, it's a bastard of a race. It's a real hard race. No, let's keep yeah. the same name, I mean, so it gets some sort of, you know, continuity, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm off there and then uh, pretty much just I, I crack on now until pretty much the end of the year because, I you know, I find with the world's being where it is, the, the, the time for the break is just not possible. So um, I just sort of slowly do a few rides and just ride the wave and hopefully uh, the wave doesn't crash before uh, the end of the season. <laughs> what sort of rides have you been doing? Just recovery rides or long endurance rides? Well, at the Worlds actually, it was based a lot on recovery. So actually, by the time I got back here, I was sort of like, shit, I've actually got to train a little bit. So yeah, this week I've actually had to put in some some solid sessions, you know, sort of four or five hour rides with some efforts and things like that. Um which, to be honest, has not been that fun. 
but it's uh, it's summer here and it's August holidays, so we've been down the coast on the Costa Brava. So mm. yeah, I haven't been you know it hasn't been too too hard. You know, I've been training and coming back and having a nice swim and you know eating a nice paella on the beach. So it, you know, it's not it's not it's not terrible. Um, can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> you're painting the pro you're painting the pro life up there beautifully yeah, and that's the yeah. thing i think is that after, after this yeah you may be still training but the mind's so different now isn't it it's very relaxed you're still getting the work done but you're not stressed exactly this is this time of year that you always said you love the most is that once you finish your grand tour it's this two three hour rides you can sort of you know enjoy yourself but you still go to a race and you still got great conditions so yeah, I mean, I had a little bit of a blowout last week in terms of mentally just I can't do this anymore because I'm tired because I've been going since <laughs> Dolphin A. But uh, now now I'm okay. I've had a little hissy fit and uh, now I'm moving forward, so we're good. A few beers to round the edges off and you're yeah, back yeah, on yeah. track. I like it. I like <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> right, let's talk about it. Let's catch up on what's been going on and we're talking about the racing now and I think there's really only one big race to cover. Well, let's just talk about the Super Worlds, the World Championships, you were over there. Um, you rode for Australia, obviously. The big one, the Worlds. It was it was much different this time, I think, being the Super Worlds. Um, tell me about the atmosphere over there. Was it first of all? That's the first question I've got before we get to the to the the actual racing. Now, what, what was the atmosphere like? Was it like a games? Because watching it on TV, it actually felt like a bit of a and a games because they were crossing across to you know the BMX, and now we've got the road race on still. And I was like, this is the best idea ever. Two weeks of like all discipline cycling. So this should be like that every year. I'm a big fan. I mean, I think there's two different ways to see it. Like when you're there, it's it's sort of like an Olympic Games or a Com Games, other than the village. We didn't have a village, which was I, I thought was a bit I like, need a disappointing. Village. A village would have been great because I sort of I spoke to Cycling Australia when we were there. One of the head managers, Paul Brosnan, said, "Oh, what's it like?" He said, "Oh." It's a bit of a logistical nightmare because we had the paracycling in Dunfries, we had the road championships in Glasgow, then the time trials in Stirling, the track was in Glasgow. Mm. Like everyone was everywhere. Um, and I thought we would just be all hanging out together, you know, mountain bike, track, mm. road, para. I thought we'd all be in this village and be like big mm. Australian atmosphere. But we're all scattered all over Scotland. And, you know, Scotland's a big place, so... You actually don't get to uh, see. You didn't get to see too many people, but um, then the other side of it was like when you turned on GCN or wherever you watched it, like like you had. It was it was like an Olympic Games. You had like just a smorgasbord of cycling content just going every day, which is fantastic. Yeah. And and I even enjoyed it when I'd finished my race or whatever. Come in and be like, oh yeah, wouldn't mind watching a little bit of freestyle mountain uh, BMX or <laughs> mountain biking or this or that. But it wasn't like I could go you know, to the freestyle BMX and watch it. I was just in like a normal hotel room at a normal world championships just doing yeah. my – you know what I mean? Like as an athlete, I don't think it changed too much. But as an overall, mm. like if you're a spectator, within an hour you could drive and watch all all cycling coats, all the world championships, which must have been pretty cool. Apart from the world's having so much racing on, there was so much sport going on. We had the Women's World Cup out here in Australia and you know, the Matildas, as I'm sure you know. It was it was so good. There's been just so much sport on at the moment. The Ashes just finished, as you know. You know that We're right in the middle of the Rugby League. You know, the AFL's on. It's just been almost too much sport to handle. But let's let's actually talk about the, about the race. The world's, the men's world's, it was such an epic road race. 
we'll get to the women's as well in a minute, but let's start with the men. The 271K, I love how long it's getting now. The 100K loop around Edinburgh, and then they head to Glasgow, or you head to Glasgow for 10 laps for 14K, twisty technical circuit. I heard something like 48 corners per lap. Then you've got the Montrose climb, 200 meters at 7%. That was that was almost synonymous because it's just like the corners did the job. Derbs, we, we've got to get to the race because I saw you, let's start right when we saw I saw you on TV. I turned the race on when everyone was having a bit of a coffee stop on the side of the road at the protest. That was a crazy, crazy. We were on the side of the road for, for 55 minutes, you know, like that's insane. Um, yeah, we... Protesters jumped out apparently behind a hedge, one of those stereotypical stone hedges, and uh, yeah, quick, quick concrete his hand to the to the to the ground, and um, what? Yeah, and in, in the UK you can't like manhandle protesters or something, you know, like so they had to do it a certain way, and you know you can imagine if you're in France, uh, John Don Marie would just. Rip that Cut his arm off, off wouldn't he? <laughs> just like, yeah, just leave the hand on the on the road, you know, and just ride past. So, what did they? How did they actually get him out? I don't actually know. I mean, like, I saw a picture. Only the only reason I saw it was concrete. I'm like, oh, if it's if it's super glue, you know, just use another adhesive and take it off. But the there was an actual picture. And it was just like literally like a cast. <laughs> he casted his hand onto the road. Um, and like we could get through, but then all the vehicles can't get through. So then they and, and this road was oh, it must have been one one and a half car wide. So it wasn't very wide anyway. But at that point we stopped us. At the point they stopped us, we were setting up to pretty much take us to that climb out of town. So mm. we'd as Australia we'd set up early, maybe fifteen k before myself and Luke Platt. And we'd invested quite a lot of time and quite a lot of effort into that position because yeah. it got narrower and narrower and narrower. So we were like really pissed because as soon as we, <laughs> as soon as we stopped, we were standing on the side of the road and then like next minute, like the guy from the Vatican City is standing there and you're like, mate, yeah, I know you weren't in position. I saw you at the back and now, and now he's just picked his bike up, walked through the hedge on the side of the road and then just parked up at the front. So as soon as they dropped the flag again, voila, there he is. And I'm like, Yeah, oh. but did he get dropped? Because when they dropped the flag again, you guys just like took off like a million miles an hour. It looked hell. It split behind. And guys never came back after that. Yeah, because the reason was, was that the break was at six minutes 50. And we weren't chasing the break, obviously, because we had one in there. But the the run into the climb was so close that we thought, okay, there was a few teams that were like investing super hard into the running to the climb, in, into the course. Mm. And if you hit the first lap on the front, we thought it was just going to explode to thirty, and that was literally going to be it. So, well, it did do it did do that. What are you talking about? Yeah, sorry, That's yeah. what happened? That's exactly what happened. So, I mean, I wasn't there. I, I did the I did the run in, so I didn't see the explosion. I don't know what happened. Well, you you got on TV actually. They yeah, showed yeah. you you no, and Plappy good. just pulling in for a cold one. Yeah, we, we were done. But like I said, we, it was it was a big investment. You know, like it's not often you start the World Championships going. All right, my job will be done at the 150k mark, and we're just going to have to really invest in this. And I'm talking like. Clap and I, and Luke Platt was exceptional, 
But uh, yeah, we, we we sat in the wind and, and positioned Michael Matthews and Caden Groves and Simon Clark all the way into the thing, into the circuit because it was just so technical. The circuit it was insane. It was insane. Did so, you do a lap? Did you did you do a lap to feel what it was like at race pace? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we did two laps. We just like rode around oh, okay. and then just because I wanted to see the the atmosphere. And it was awesome. Like Montrose Street was you know, you know six deep, seven deep. And uh, uh, it was it was really really cool. And then also just got to pull in and pretty much watch the best cyclists just absolutely destroying each other with 120 k to go. Well, tell me about the race then, because when when, we, when you guys hit the circuit, like you said, well, when when you guys started, from what I could see, when the bunch just took off, it never slowed down from that that point there. Um, I think it was 190 to go. Is that, Am I right in saying that? Yeah, roughly. That. If you can imagine stopping for 50 minutes, you have to – all the cars came and refueled everyone. So everyone got to stop for a piss. Mm. Everyone got to eat. Everyone got to do everything. So as soon as we started, we were like, okay, that's it. We go. But did you have cafe legs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It felt horrible. Horrible. But Plappy's like a track start, tracker, track rider, so he was fine. But I was just like <clears> – <throat> <laughs> it was just so good to watch. I watched the whole worlds from that point, 190K, every K. It took me the next three, four days to watch it and not finding out the result was really hard because I just knew when you when, when they hit the circuit and Michael Morkov and Denmark just like lit it up like it was 10K to go. I was like, what is going on here? Like I want to know, I now know what the, the circuit is, but oh, this is just continual like, continual story we keep talking about oh the peloton they're moving on they're going fast we spoke about it last time at the tour de france but this was again another level on ridiculous like you guys are already going ridiculous and now this was ridiculous on ridiculous what what is the what's the opinion now of everyone coming out of the race before we talk what happened in the race what's the feeling coming out and when the guys got back into the bus like was everyone just sort of shaking their head going this is just so ridiculous now yeah, I think so. Like, if you, if you, everyone came in the bus just going, like, those first three laps was just, like, insane. You know, like, guys were coming in and were just like, oh my God, like, how the hell can we, you know, survive this? And, and, and Simon Clark's a good, good rider too, because he's done probably more world championships than most. And he was sort of saying beforehand, he's like, just never get out of your saddle, you know, just like stay in your saddle to save your legs, <laughs> spin, 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 spin. And then you see like 120k to go, I'm looking on the TV and Clarky's just completely out of the saddle, just ripping it. And I said, you got out of the saddle? He goes, oh, mate, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, it's 120k to go and I'm doing max, absolutely max to follow these moves. And I like, I don't know, man, I think – the, the thing is, is the big four or five riders, they just yeah. prefer it that way because in the end of the day... Because well, the, are they uh, just that, that strong too? Yeah, but also then also prefer less, it that variables, way. less variables. Like there's, like, there's not 50 guys out to deal with. There's only four. <laughs> so make, <laughs> ma- make it happen, you know? So every if you have one of those riders, just, just, just destroy the bunch. But what happens is like there's going to be like... A completely different training spec. One guy's going to do 150k. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was there any? Was there any word like this is too far? This course. This you know, like I know, oh, it's all good and well now, and you know, there was no massive crashes, but it split up and it was very exciting. But is there any complaints from the riders going, 
or teams going, you know, this is just too far. We don't want to see worlds like this, you know, again, use too many corners or I don't know, because there could be an element of that or everyone was just all on board. No, no, no. I personally, and the talk was, it was, it was actually silly. Like it wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It was like a cyclocross race on, on the road, you know, and, and that's, it really suited a really small bunch of people. And look, it takes a world champion over skill, endurance, everything to become a world champion. So like, you know, it, it, it got its appropriate world champion. Mm. Um, but I would say that even those guys would say it was unnecessary, you know, like you just, it wasn't a true world championships, you know, I, I feel, but uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was a true world championship. I'm not going to take that, but like the course itself was like, a, it was a massive criterion, you know, and, Especially mm. when it comes to the time trials and stuff like that, I think they could have done quite a bit better with the with the technicality of the circuit, and also the circuit itself was was in bad bad shape. You know, it was there was potholes and there was cobbles and there was off camber downhill. You know, mm. bl- bricks if it and it rains in Glasgow all the time, and the park was full of gravel and you know there was a lot of te- like things that I'm going this this shouldn't be allowed as a world circuit. Are you suggesting that maybe Vanderpol deserves a crit champ world jersey or is that what you're sort of trying to say? <laughs> no, Vanderpol deserves everything he got. That was insane. <laughs> that was insane. What, what do you think yeah, is a spectacle was. having such a small bunch, 120K to go? Like, was it boring um, then? No, I, well, I thought it was going to be boring. I, I said there's this a risk here. Like, this is so exciting when you hit the circuits. I can't remember how many K that was to go, but when Denmark lit it up, I was like, where are you going to go from here? But stuff, amazing stuff just kept happening. Just like, you know, when even when Betiol went and, you know, even when he was just solo, he made it exciting by, like, railing these corners and, like, Bidden going underneath his wheel and almost crashing and just... There's just like, and even behind, just the favourites, like a small bunch, these guys just hitting over themselves. Like there's like 3K to go. I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, it's just, this is just nuts. Like, like I said, I did not want to miss any of it. So I was waiting every day for prime time to sit down after doing things all day and just watching it with a cold beer. Um, I, I really, really did enjoy the men's world's Um Let's let's have a quick talk about the women's worlds and you know Lotta Kopecky, she stole the show there, not only in the road race, but she was a three times world champion in the week. And I think that's the cool thing about the super worlds is that you can sort of cross over and do a couple of things. You know, we saw Vanderpool try and complete the triple, you know, the cyclocross obviously wasn't now, but he tried to do the the road and the mountain bike. Didn't come off that well, but there was still an ability to do it. Does what did you think of the women's race, you know, in comparative to the men's and, you know, how things sort of panned out? I think it was very similar um, in terms of it became a, a death march quite early um, mm. and, like, the breakaway or like always gets rewarded in this and you saw that even in the men's race, the breakaway arrived with so much time which avoided the massive explosion from the peloton. So you would see, like, a few people in the final that came from the breakaway. Um which is which was great, and then oh yeah, I mean, I think Demi Vollering, she was also mm. really really good. Um, there was this one moment where Demi did this massive attack, and she attacked herself into cramp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so she's out of the seat and she's wrapping everyone up the climb and dropping everyone, and then she just fully seizes at the top of the uh, off top of the climb. She's punching a quad, and then just slots back into second wheel as she's punching a quad. Um, and it just, just goes to show how brutal this road race was. Um, 
Uh, Marlon Russo was also a really good showing considering she had like a, mm. a bit of a tough time in the in the TT. She pulled out of the TT, which she was the favourite. So then to back up and she was fourth in the road race, which was, you know, mentally that's difficult when you're the favourite going into the TT and you don't you don't finish and then you then you uh, then you back up and nearly get on the podium of the road race. So that's that, that was a good ride. So yeah, no, it was it was, it was a bloody exciting road race, but a lot of Kopecky's just on a. Another level on that circuit at the moment. Well, like you said, it's suiting sort of the Belgian style, you know, cyclocross sort of riders. Maybe that sort of lended to her her skill level, but also it's it's clear from her other, you know, gold medals on the track. She's a points scores points race world champion, elimination world champion, both very cagey racing styles. You spoke about the TT. Let's quickly cover that. That's not my expertise, but I know you love TTs. Um, Evan and Paul, after much sort of criticism in the road race i think he sort of copped he's only the second rider ever to win road race and tt behind alano abraham alano um, from spain i didn't know that yeah that's pretty cool to to know that um garna in second and then josh tarling you know he had the hot seat for quite a long time derbs what can you tell me about him i mean it's insane he's a 19 year old i think he's the youngest ever medalist at a world championships in the time trial. Um, Is that right? Yeah. I mean, Remco was the previous youngest, but he's even younger than what Remco was in Yorkshire. Um, And Remco's Remco. So it just goes to show, like, the talent on this kid. Like, he won the world championships in Wollongong last year and uh, under 19, signed pro. I think his first race, world tour race, was Paris-Nice, and he was held his own there. And um, and then, yeah, I mean, he won the national championships uh, not that long ago in the time trial, destroyed that for Great Britain. And then, yeah, going into this, actually people actually already had him as a, as a potential favourite. Mm. That's how good he was. So he's a big boy. I would be actually scared to uh, know his watts, which I don't know. <laughs> But apparently, <laughs> apparently his, his SRM didn't work or something on the start line, so he just winged it. So I also got a lot of respect wow, for that as well. Wow, old school. Know? Yeah. So he just loves it. So, um, yeah, good on him. Good on him. Could you imagine going old school now? Not really, and it's, it's so long. It's like it was 58 minutes. It was nearly an hour. So to pace that like that was uh, was super impressive. But, yeah. Wouldn't you just know from the feeling now yourself like – Ultimately, like I know, I know you'd be slightly out, maybe go slightly too hard, maybe slightly too easy. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you're still going to finish completely dead. Do you think you could still pace it if the same scenario happened to you? I know you're a avid time trial, and you're out there doing it. You're feeling these sessions day in, day out. Surely you could pace it pretty close. Oh yeah, I could do it. I, I think I'd definitely overpace it and blow. That would be my concern. That's you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, uh, you definitely could do it. Now, knowing what you know now, yeah. for sure. But let's talk about the women. Um, you know, Chloe Dyan, she took it out. And Grace Brown, she was actually out here doing the winter solstice ride, life in the Peloton winter solstice ride in preparation for <laughs> yeah. this time trial. Flew back out to Australia. We took her around the back roads around Land Vegas, Lansfield, that is. And she got some great form and slotted into second place. Um, Maybe she had too many beers. To Maybe she had too many beers on the ride. And that's what <laughs> that was the six seconds in the end, you know? So who knows? Well, she had she had a few life in the Peloton beers, so maybe that elevator into second from yeah. third. Yeah, it's true. Like, it's true. Two ways to look at it, Dirbs. 
no, that was – but it was also good to see Chloe win after that massive crash in um, – where was it? In Imola. And she hasn't been back since then really. So it's good that she took out the victory. But obviously it was all a bit for Aussie fans. It was a bit of a shame. Grace, second year in a row, she's ran second. So hopefully the Rainbows is around the corner for her because um, – yeah, she's she's a great rider, great person. So we all all hope she gets the world title one day. Let's talk about the world uh, the world sorry the mountain bike worlds because it's something that I'm more interested in these days. But let's talk about the roadies in the mountain bike worlds. Um, you had Nino Scherter there; he's ten times world champion, and the rest of the mountain bike World Cup riders were at the front on the start. And this is a big thing in mountain biking: the the start grid. UCI changed the rules. They brought the roadies forward who hadn't got UCI points from riding the World Cups. Tom Pitcock was starting on the third row. He ended up having Sargon, Peter Sargon, and also um, Vanderpool with him on the third row. But Pitcock's actually ridden a few World Cups and got some points himself. Those guys got brought up to his level. And Pitcock hasn't, doesn't struggle moving through the bunch. It's not really a problem for him. So I think he was pretty pissed that the other guys got a bit of an advantage on him. How does that work? Do you know how that rule came about? Mitch, like what is the – was it just to literally just to help roadies be out, like be better on the grid or like what, 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 is, what, is, what is the rule? Well, look, I don't really understand it, but from what I understand is if you hold a use because it's a UCI event, World Cup or World Championships, if you hold a high UCI ranking in another discipline, then it elevates you. I don't know exactly how high it elevates you, but what the I think they've done it in the in the cyclocross as well, that if you just come across because those those champion guys we're talking about, they don't ride all the World Cup cyclocross races anymore, but they still get good grid position now because they're high in the UCI category. I think they introduced that rule but from what I understand Pickock was pretty pissed about it and um, he knows he can move through the bunch that's he's one of his best sort of talents you see this I'm watching this and the guys on the front like the proper World Cup mountain bikers they're making it hard because they know Pickock's going to have to chase back but if he's just he's stepping out like you know these guys are going hard on these climbs they're suffering these are the world's best they're suffering they're like they're pig rooting it up this climb Pickock steps out just goes past like five or six guys on this climb and just slots back in like it's no tomorrow. It was just, he's just insane, this guy. His skill on the downhill is amazing. And then, look, another guy I need to mention is a guy that you know really well from Girona is Sam Gaze. He's absolutely flying. He was He's a short track winner. He was flying home at the end. It was such a great race to watch. For me, what's happened in mountain biking now, it's becoming, you know, the UCI getting back behind it, these road guys going cross and doing it again. It's just made things so much more exciting for me anyway to be able to watch guys that I know on the road come back in and just it's re sort of revitalised the sport for me anyway. Does are you getting into it at all? Oh, 100%. I think the, the GCN effect is a big thing as well. You just mm. literally just bang, it's on, it's all televised. Um, like you said, the road pros go back and do it. But not just that, like... Then you start to learn the names of I was I'm not a not a mountain biker, never been a mountain biker, so never really followed it. But you know, obviously everyone knows Nino, but other than that, you can sort of you now I'm watching you sort of more invested in in the other riders and it's and it's unreal. Like I didn't get to watch too much of the mountain bike, I just watched some highlights. But um, from what I heard, Sam Gay's had an amazing ride, like you said, Pigcock, unreal. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just cool. It seems to me like Gaze, you know, going across the road, I know he was already good, but the road is giving him a lot of sort of that extra strength. What he was doing in the final laps, you saw him just 
like looking like he was just sort of getting warmed up. That diesel, it seems like if these guys have got the skill and they can convert it onto the road and then come back to mountain biking, it's almost giving them this extra gear. Be interesting to see if any mountain bikers do what Nino Schurter did in the early days. He came across and rode with us at Orica Scott or Orica Green Edge, as it was called then. Mm. Um, or maybe it was Orica Scott, I can't remember. But it's interesting. There's not there's a few guys sort of crossing over and using a bit, but not as much as, say, Gaze. Mm. Like you said, it will be interesting to know that, like, how many mountain bikers are going to come across. Like, uh, mm. you know, in, in terms of uh, mountain bikers that we know of, I mean, a lot of mountain bikers over the past have come across the, the pro road. But, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see now if you if the World Tour teams are going to look more at mountain bikers again. Um, and, you know, there was a trend they were looking at track riders for a while there as well. So, you know, I think uh, the good thing about cycling at the moment, the way it's going, is it's just like cycling is cycling, and if you're good at it, you can sort of transfer it to all the disciplines. And and the and the and the teams and the sponsors are, are like super keen for you to do that. You know, it was like back in the day we wouldn't be encouraged to do a mm. mountain bike. You know, but but now it's like yeah, run, cyclocross, mountain bike, track cycling, whatever you want to do to stay fit, you just do it and just just roll with it. You know. Well, seeing as you talked about it, let's talk about the track quickly. I know we're not going to do it justice because there's just too much to talk about today, but the one event that I sought out was the Madison. It was a personal favorite event of mine, and I wanted to go and watch that. I couldn't believe watching it that Morkov, I knew Morkov would be there, Michael Morkov or Mikel Merku. He is two times world champion, uh, or maybe three, I can't remember now, but he was there two days after a 271-kilometer road race. I don't know how far he got in that road race, but... Not even like this was on Tuesday night. So just two days after the road race, he's there in a 50K high speed. I think they averaged 59 kilometers an hour, Madison. You were actually there. Yeah, it was insane. You were actually there, weren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was there. And I the class on the bloke on Morkov is, is, <laughs> is unbelievable. You know, like he just rides around the track and he just like – I am so confused in the stands with what's going on. Like it was that fast, I could not keep up, you know. And these guys, are, the processing speeds of, of of these guys is is insane. It's like a game of like COD or something on a bike at sixty k's an hour. It's like you know, and uh, yeah. But it, it was, could you it was, feel the wind? Cool. The wind, yeah, the wind, yeah, for yeah, sure. from like them going past. Yeah, but not not one crash. Not one crash. There was a couple of split changes, which were like so close, but it's just like, and like, how's the ending of it? Like New Zealand, like Belgium led from the start and, you know, it looked like they had it wrapped up. They were just in control. It was just great in the end, you know, Holland won the, won the race, but a good friend of ours, Aaron Gate from Girona, he's also living over there. Gatey just comes from the clouds and, you know, the, the Kiwis also wrapped to see them get on, get on the podium too. Uh, that that was that, they that was the team I was going for, you know. In the end, like there was no Aussies in there, so Gady and Cam was a teammate of mine as well. So that last sprint, because the last sprint holds double points, and um, mm. and also the the Brits did an amazing job in the last sprint, which actually pulled the Kiwis away and uh, and into a medal position. So yeah, no, it was it was good to be back. I'd been back into track in about 10, 12 years, so it was the atmosphere was awesome and. What, what a race it was but the Dutchies in the end I think made the best move I think with eight laps to go and with no with um, two sprints to go 
and then they just stayed out the front and took a lot of points. But not one lap was taken during the race, which is mm. pretty unheard of in, in, in Madison racing. Oh, it was it was a real whirlwind, and um, like you said, I would have loved to have been there to witness it live, just to see and feel the energy of that speed. Because um, even on TV, it was so gripping. It was very confusing to watch, even though I know how it works. Um, I can't imagine people new to the sport how much they would like it. But once you get your head around that one, it is it is a really fun fun race to watch. There was there anything else you took away from being there in the velodrome apart from the Madison, but the atmosphere, the sort of the the track to finish off the world's Oh, I was would say it was good to see Cam Meyer at the the bottom of the track um, as a mm. coach now, a good friend of mine and yours, and um, he came away with three world titles with the women, and then also helped with the men um, with the bunch racing with the men, and they won two world titles and a, and a and a silver medal. So very successful games for Cameron's second outing with the with the Brits. So that was really cool to see him down there doing his thing. Um, but yeah, like you said, Super Worlds was good, and as a as a ride, I don't think it was anything different. But for a spectacle, as a as a fan, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. <laughs> All right, we've been banging on about the worlds for so long. Let's just quickly talk about what is coming up because we've actually got the last Grand Tour right upon us, the Vuelta España. That time's gone so quick since the Tour de France. Normally, there's a little bit of a gap there, but because the world's slotted in between, it's just like onto the Vuelta. The Vuelta is a great, a personal favourite of mine. I did the Vuelta seven times, one of my favourite Grand Tours, because purely out of you know no choice, I had to do it a lot of times. So it had to be my favourite. Um, Derbs, you've done it one time. What was your feeling there about what's the difference about the Vuelta? You've done all three. What's the difference, mate? Out of all all the other tours, what's the nice thing about the Vuelta? What's the the bad thing about it? Bad thing is the heat. It's hot as hell, um, and Good thing is, oh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy my time at the Walter last year that much. So. <laughs> no, I would, say the, I would say the road quality and, uh, and, and the circuits and everything like that is that they put you on is pretty cool. Like they, it's, be, it's probably the best grand tour in terms of least road furniture, probably best road quality, um, probably most relaxedness in the bunch. I'd say, but it's not. It's still stressful. I'm not going to say it's relaxed, but it is probably the most relaxed in that 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 sense. But um, yeah, it's good. Well, Yumbo Visma, they're going for the Grand Tour clean sweep. I don't know if that's been done by any team before. It probably has, but not that I can remember. Vingegaard, he's actually going straight off the back of the Tour de France. I don't know if he's going in support of Roglic. Um, but they're going to ride together. Roglic is looking pretty good at the moment in Volta Burgos. As we record this, it's Friday night. Uh, in Australia, so Friday morning in in Europe. So there's still a few stages to go there. The last rider to do the Tour de France Vuelta double was Chris Froome back in 2017. So if Vingard, he gets on, he's going to repeat what Froome did back then and maybe follow in his footsteps and keep kicking on uh, and go on and try and do the triple, the treble, go on and do the Giro next year. Um, Who knows? That could be something that he might try. The route this year, it... Uh, the Vuelta route always looks pretty filthy, in my opinion. Um, obviously, obviously Derbs, it's always down to how it's raced. Um, something that doesn't look that hard can be very tough if it's raced tough. This is the point I'm trying to get across. Look, the first week for me, anyway, it looks. I had a quick look into it. It looks pretty tough. It's you know very tough actually. It's 
starts with the triple T. Stage two is in very familiar areas for us. It's a stage around, well, the triple T is in Barcelona. You're going to go down and watch? I'm at uh, Renewy, so unfortunately not. Uh, yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> stage two, stage two is around the Barcelona area. I've ridden quite a lot of those roads. It's starting out of Mataro, heads up over a small little climb that I've ridden before. And there, it's a, it's going to maybe be a sprint stage. But actually, more interesting was stage three dirts. When I was looking at this, we've actually ridden half of this stage on our bikepacking trip a few a few years ago with Lockie Morton when we rode up to Andorra. And I was looking at these roads. I'm like, hang on a second. We've done this in our bikepacking trip. So we remember we were swapping off, the three of us, with bags and everything on. That's right. A good breakaway, two, e- two EF guys versus uh, Jayco. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't remember who got away <laughs> with that that day. But it's up to Andorra very early in the tour. Um, the first nine stages are really tough, hilly. There's one sprint day in between then. Um, it's really some one official sprint day. There's a couple hard man sprints. Then they're going to fly up north. So they sort of only you know, scoot down the side of Spain and then they're going to do a whole lot in the north. Um, they're heading over to France in the second week. They're doing the Tour de Malay, Abisque. Derbs, you've done those climbs in the Tour de France. Tell me a little bit about those two climbs. Oh, yeah, Tour de is super, super hard. Um, it's going to, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see the first showdown with like Remco and Vingegaard in the form, I think, you know, and it'd be nice if Pogacar went with just like a little juicy cherry before next year's Tour de France. So um, I don't know, those sort of climbs, Tourmalet, these, these sort of what you saw Jonas do, and yeah, they're proper. And also Jonas did some pretty impressive things in the tour with it. So it's going to be interesting. Those long, high-altitude climbs really suit Jonas. So, um, which I don't even think they, they suit Rogelik as much, actually, because he's a bit bigger. So we'll see. It's going to be, uh, as soon as you go over an hour, up to two and a half thousand meters, it's going to be uh, Jonas territory. But we just don't know if he's in the same condition as he will be in uh, at, the, at the tour. But it's going to be some good watching for sure. Well, the last week is pretty tricky too because they've got the Langerlou, uh personal favorite of mine. Love that climb. Love getting pushed Never up that done climb it. by it's the. It's horrible by the sounds of it. Well, what it's it, horrible. What, you got what's to. What's it like? It's just it's gnarly, and they normally do it on stage twenty, but they've chucked it in at stage seventeen this year because stage twenty is something really weird I've never seen before. It's the longest stage of the tour. It's a two hundred and twenty k stage, I think, but it's sort of circuits. It's made up of ten cat three climbs, four thousand meters of vert. I was trying to think: is this worse or is this better? Because like typically on a stage twenty, you get like a real epic day, three yeah. or four coals. And you're really, I'm t- typically very, very scared. Am I going to make it? Maybe this is worse because people, the race is just going to keep going. Yeah. Cat threes, everyone's going to think it's a chance. Well, can you uh, can you even imagine having this sort of stage, stage 20? They've never done this before. No, it's like they've created like a world championships one day race at the, <laughs> yeah. end, at the end of a, <laughs> a grand tour. Like for riders for like you and me, man, that, that's, that's fear. That's a lot of fear to like miss time cut on that day. <laughs> Shit, that's stressful. It's going to be another good one. They always produce a good race. I always think the Vuelta is really fun to watch. It's at the end of the year, get a last little bit. Jumbo Visma's team is looking super strong. They've got Roglic, yeah. Vingegaard, Casas back, Gersink is riding. They've got Tracknik, uh, Kelderman, Van Baal. Yeah, it's the team's just like. Oh, it's insane, that yeah. team. You know, you just you trade one in, you trade one out. It's the same. <laughs> 
The other sort of favourites that I picked up, you know, Carapaz is going to try and make it back. Um, then you got Jay Vine, Almeida. He's there over at UAE. Ineos has got Thomas and Garner. Garner's in good shape. So, look, Master's probably coming back. He's probably got something to prove for Movistar after the tour. It'll be a good one, Derbs. I know you're not a massive fan of the Vuelta, but I'm sure you're going to be tuning in. I'll watching be watching. It. I'll be watching. I'm looking forward to it, uh, I reckon. But I reckon we should watch out for Ayuso. That's a tip, I reckon. He's, uh, I reckon oh. he'll, he'll lead UAE, and I reckon he'll be right up there for potentially even the victory. I don't know, but I mean, this kid's was on the podium last year at like nineteen or twenty years old, and he's already proven this year to be like as good as the best in time trials and on the climb. So I don't know, just throwing it out there. Could be a bit of a wild card. What about from your team, Jaco? Who you guys got? Uh, Eddie Dunbar's going. He was really impressive seventh place or sixth place in the Giro this year. So it's the first time he's ever gone for GC and he was sixth or seventh. So, and you saw him in the Giro climbing the best. So, yeah, I think we'll go with him and um, we've got a few guys for stages and things like that. So, yeah, got things to do. So I'll be watching. <laughs> Should we get into the final quiz here, Derba? I've put a little quiz to, together for you. When it's uh, just you, I always have a little bit more fun trying to trip you up. So let's, should we have a crack at this final quiz before I let you go and get out and do um, some kind of crazy training session while I crack myself another beer? <laughs> yep. Sounds good. I might ride to a place and get a beer then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've got three, three quiz questions this week. The first one is in sort of farewell and you know to say goodbye to our friend peter sagan he is retiring this year from the road scene so the question is based around sagan which of these is not an official nickname for peter sagan is it a peter the great b three pete c pinchy pete or d tourminator <laughs> They're all pretty bad, aren't they? Um, <laughs> Would you like to hear them again? No, no. I, I'm just, I, don't, don't, don't tell me again. Three, um, three of them are official nicknames. The only thing is, one a, is not. I, I'm thinking Pinchy Pete because it sounds like a stupid thing that you would say, like just to, like, to trip me up. Like uh, the other day with the the gulpin was the coffee that that, that was from Melbourne. Um, so uh, yeah, maybe Pinchy Pete. Yeah. Pinchy Pete, unfortunately, is not a nickname. Well done, Dervo. That name is derived from Peter Sagan's slip up on the podium in <laughs> Ghent Wavelgum. I thought maybe someone would have given him that name when he decided Pinchy to Pete. be a little bit Pinchy. <laughs> which, <laughs> which country has had the most male road world champions? Is it A, Italy? B, Belgium, C, Holland, or D, Spain? I'm going to go with Belgium. Oh, mate, well done, Belgium. Belgium on 27 world champions. That's crazy. Uh, All right, the last question, and this is something you should know, as every pro should be reading the rule book of the UCI road racing rules every year to see what rule has been changed. (laughs) Yep, yep, just like you, yep. Which which of these is not a rule? Is it A, it is forbidden to carry and use 
and or use glass objects. B, a rider dropping out of the race shall immediately move his body number and hand it to the commissaire or the broom wagon. He may not cross the finish line. He may not pass go. He may not collect $200. No, (laughs) he may not pass the finish line unless he is injured or feels seriously sick. He must travel in the broom wagon. C, riders must not hold onto a vehicle or push off against a vehicle in order to gain a sufficient advantage. In exception, when collecting feeding bottles, riders may hang on to a bottle to regain speed and be slung, slung shot back to the peloton. D, riders may not be sprayed from a vehicle. <laughs> okay. What is- you're an idiot. Um. <laughs> these these three of these are real rules. Three. One of them is not a real. Okay. Um, the, the, I actually read the rules yesterday. The the, it's ridiculous. the launching back to the peloton is not a rule. <laughs> you can't. You can't regain speed. Like how much drama does that cause? Like if you've ever watched cycling before, they just go on about holding onto cars and. Bottles. No, you cannot, for everyone out there, you cannot grab a bottle, regain speed, and get back to the peloton. I would love to, but you can't do it. <laughs> well done, mate. C is not an official rule. Well done. You really navigated well through the quiz tonight. Um, uh, they you just enjoy saying rules. stupid things. They're not even that hard. <laughs> Half of those rules are so ridiculous. Yeah. How's the dropping out one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Un- uh, unless he is injured or feels seriously sick, he must travel in the broom wagon. When have I've you ever got, got in the broom, broom wagon? wagon. No, I've never got in the broom wagon once. You just stop and get in the car. We just you, ride to the finish. Yeah. And I've gone across the finish line if I'm out of the race. I mean, we've pulled oh, out of San Remo and I think we've actually got on the, on the finish results. <laughs> we didn't actually finish. Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> that's, cheating. <laughs> that's cheating, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've, we've banged on long enough, mate. Great to catch up with you. Great to sort of debrief, well, one race really, but um, Derbs, until a month's time, that is the race communique and uh, thanks for being on it. Thanks, guys, and uh, we'll see you in a month's time. Well, guys, there we go. A nice little wrap-up. We could have kept talking on and on there. I hope you enjoyed it. A little bit of insight Next month, we're going to be talking with Durbo and Southam. He'll be back. Get him on there, the race communique. I hope you guys are enjoying this one. Big thanks that goes out to Will Jones, who puts these episodes together. The Life in the Peloton team, of course, Megan Spurlow, and you guys for listening. Let me know what you think. But guys, until next week, well, sorry, until next week, we've got a Life in the Peloton episode. But until next month, we've got the communique coming back at you. So guys, until then, cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.